you have fully vacant units on your property that you have mothballed until next semester? If you do, I bet you've thought to yourself, we should list those on Airbnb for game day weekends or for parents visiting their kids. Maybe you're in a college town like Austin or Raleigh or Tallahassee, and your city has large festivals and not enough hotel rooms. You know you could lease those units on a nightly or a weekly basis. Providing short-term rentals on platforms like Airbnb can provide a great source of ancillary income. But it takes some, uh, all right, excuse me, it takes a lot of organization. There's the additional setup of providing linens and coffee makers and all the little things that a short-term tenant will expect. Then there's the regulatory and tax issues that could require additional work. More importantly, there's the time and labor to market on all the multiple platforms, handle the reservations and cancellations, the cleaning, and then there's the bookkeeping. All of this turns into a big distraction from the main job at hand, which is operating and leasing your property. That's where Vector Travel comes in. These guys know the short-term rental industry and they know how to relieve all of those burdens from the property manager. And best of all, they've become experts in how to do that with student properties. They understand the complexity of mixing travelers with college students. They know it so well, they can quickly identify if a student property is not going to be a good fit for their program. So if you have vacant units, reach out to Vector Travel and have them do a free, no obligation assessment to determine if enrolling your vacant units in their program will be beneficial. Go to VectorStays.com forward slash SHI. Fill out a quick form to receive more information. You will also get the first month service fee waived by going to that specific landing page. Again, that's VectorStays.com forward slash SHI. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Student Housing Insight Podcast, where we are putting you in touch with the people who bring student housing to life. I'm your host, Wesley Dees. Well, folks, the month of June is almost, no, it is. Today's today's July 1st, um, the day that I'm <laughs> recording this. Uh, so the month of June is in our rearview mirror, and, uh, and now we're knocking on the door for summer turn. Uh, how are you guys feeling about turn? Is your team ready? Are your vendors ready? Um, you know, I love this time of year. It's like it's like going to summer camp or something. You know, it's that time of the year that we all get exposed. You know, you find out who your leaders really are. You find out you find out how well your team communicates. You find out who is able to you know quickly shake the dirt off their shoulders and and just move on to the next issue. You find out if you love your job or <laughs> if it's time to move on. Uh, you know, even if you do everything right, there will still be moments where you'll think about quitting. I remember that feeling and and all I can say is it's, it's normal. Don't be afraid of it, but you know, you, you push through it and you get to the other side. And if you prepared well, if you recognize others for, for their hard work, and you're able to, to move everyone in with a smile on your face. Um, don't worry about the smile on, on everybody else's face as far as your residents moving in. They've got a lot of stuff going on. Like you can't, 
you, you could try to put a smile on their face, but just keep in mind, they've got a lot of stuff that's going on. The parents have got a lot of stuff going on, but you've got to keep a smile on your face. And as long as you're able to do that, it's all worth it. Um, and the folks being featured on today's episode know that feeling well. Uh, one of our most downloaded episodes is from three years ago, and it's called From the Site Level to the C-Suite. It was a, a remote recording that I did at the Interface Student Housing Conference in 2018, and it featured five guests um, who all started out as student employees and had worked their way up into executive level positions. We, we talked about their journey and the advice that they had for current site staff at, you know, at that level that, you know, what could they do to, to help grow their careers in this industry? There are so many folks in our industry that have taken that path. And, and I wanted to do a, an update or a version two of that podcast. So back in March, I interviewed four more executive officers who have made that same journey. So in today's interview, I, I sit down with Adam Barley, who's the COO at The Price Company. Um, also, Heather Sosmore, who is Senior Vice President of the Student Housing Division of CF Real Estate Services. Uh, Jason Fort, who is the EVP of Business Development at Asset Living. And Sla Brandon, who is the uh, VP of Operations at Cardinal Group. I think this interview is probably even better than the one that I did before. And man, there's just so much good information in this one that, that I think if you're at the site level currently, be it as a, as a student employee, a leasing agent, a, you know, general manager, or community manager, I think you're going to get a lot out of this. If, if you've got that goal of, or if, even if you're thinking uh, of, creating that goal of, of making student housing a career choice for you. So let, let's cut to that interview and I'll catch up with you on the other side for some important announcements about what we're doing this year at the Interface Conference. And it's just coming up in a couple of weeks in Austin. So we'll talk to you on the other side. Enjoy this, guys. Well, guys, welcome to Memo. I'm so happy that you guys were able to take the time out to, to spend with us today and really looking forward to what you guys are going to be able to, uh, the insight that you're going to be able to provide to, to our audience today. All of you guys, you know, started out on the site level. Um, most of us are around the same age, so we've all kind of followed each other's career to to a certain extent and uh, and kind of know the story behind the the companies that you guys are are all at or have served at. And so really excited about the the type of insight that you can provide to especially our site managers, as we've discussed, and, and those that are looking to possibly taking their career beyond uh, beyond the site level. So uh, super, super excited about what you guys are going to be able to, to discuss. Yeah, Adam, I want to start with you. You know, what was your first job in the industry? And I, well, I've got three questions for each of you, each of you guys. What was your first job in the industry? What position did you spend the most time in? 
And what position in your in your career so far did you enjoy the most and why? And, and of course, you know, feel free to say your current position because I don't want your employers to get upset. But but if it's not the current one, if there's something that you enjoyed even more, I, I think it would be great for our audience to to hear that. So, Adam, let's start with you. Yeah, thank thank you so much, Wes. You know, I really appreciate you bringing us all on here. My, my first job at the site level was part-time turn help. Uh, I thought I would be in this industry for two weeks. Uh, I was 19 and needed a job. And um, my mom said, hey, you got to get a job. And that's what I did. And that was uh, the year 2001. And I literally have been with the price company for uh, since then. So going on 19 years uh, since, you know, that that first job as a part-time turn helper, cleaning out, trashing out apartments. I'm 6'8", if you know me. So I think uh, one of the stories I like to tell is that we had a really old maintenance supervisor and he didn't like to um, carry the stepladder to change light bulbs and smoke detector batteries. So he hired me because I could just reach it without without standing on a ladder. But, you know, so that was my first job. I literally have done nine different positions with the price company. But my favorite job really was probably property manager. I, I loved it. I, I took a, did a little bit of a different approach to a property manager position. I had a large property. It was 1,552 beds um, as my first PM job. And, um, you know, it was really good for me because I was able to get you know, I was sort of the party planner as well as the the property manager. And I really got to enjoy it. If you think about it, I was, you know, 26 years old as a property manager. And it was, uh, it was a fun time. I mean, the, the students that we were managing weren't much younger than, than I was. So it was just, it was a good opportunity for me to stay younger and stay in a field that, that I always, you know, wanted to do. But probably the, I spent the most time as a regional uh, I was the first regional for the price company as we grew. I was in a, in a position where the price company, when I started, we only had like 1,500 beds. Uh, and so now we've grown that to like 32,000 beds. And so we really had a nice increase. So as I did that regional manager position, that was probably what I spent the most time in. And 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 that was probably the, the most challenging role too that, that I spent is it was sort of cutting for me, it was cutting my teeth as a regional with not a whole lot of uh, other examples in our company to look to. So um, that's probably where I spent most of my time, which was probably about four years uh, or so uh, in that in that job. And if, if I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that first project that you were on at, at Clemson was also a, a condo deal as well, right? <laughs> It is. We still have it, by the way. Um, so uh, yeah. it, is, uh, it is all condos, individual owners, three HOAs, uh, not your traditional uh, what we think of student housing today. So it was definitely a challenge, but um, it was really, really fun, uh, to say the least. So. Yeah, I, I can imagine dealing with uh, someone who was uh, on the board of the HOA of, of the kitty condo that I bought into when I was in college. I, I can uh, I can sympathize with yeah. <laughs> with the letters and the communication. That, but I'm sure it was good. Uh, I'm sure it was really good experience for for dealing with third party owners, too. So it was it was, you know, it, it, sometimes it can be challenging because uh, they only had one unit maybe and and now you know your your owners typically own the entire 
community with you as a partner. But, um, but yeah, so their, their one bed vacancy meant the world to them, right? They, that was 75, 25% of their four bedroom units. So, uh, it really allowed me to, to understand different perspectives from where different owners were coming from and, and, and really allowed me to sort of, uh, I guess, understand the bigger picture. Uh, from a financial perspective, uh, than just running uh, running a property, it really does affect a lot of people's lives. Yeah, yeah. Heather, let's go to you next. Uh, hi, Wes. Thanks again for having us. This is awesome. So I started as an RA at the University of Central Florida. So that was that was really the the, the stepping point. But my first job at on the private side when I transitioned over was uh, a resident director. So again, I kind of had my foot in the residence life piece of it, did that for a year, and then I went full-fledged operations and uh, was an area marketing manager down here in Orlando. And for all you guys that know the Orlando market, it was big in student housing from the very beginning, you know, late 90s, early 2000s, it, it blew up. And so, you know, like Adam, I had the opportunity to start on really large assets. You know, one of the properties was was 1,200 beds. One of the properties was 2,500 beds. So that was a, a unique experience that really put things in perspective, uh, and, I, and I think helped because you don't you don't know any different, right? When you learn it at that level, so it makes makes the other parts uh, a little bit easier as you go and transition into other markets and your your job responsibilities change. As far as the the, the role I spent the most time in, I really had this unique opportunity. I. I the roles and responsibility changed for me almost like clockwork every two to three years. So there wasn't, there isn't one that really stuck out for an extended period of time above all the others. But I would have to say that the role that I enjoyed the most was probably a regional leasing specialist. I was still young in my career, finishing up grad school, getting out of college and, you know, throwing, everything I had into my career at that point and traveling and on the road, God only knows how many nights uh, out of the year. But it was it was the, an eye-opening experience to get outside of one particular market that I knew very well, to get into different states, uh, different product types, and really start to open my eyes to what the industry was all about and, and have that exposure. So definitely one of my favorite times in my career learned a lot from it. And it's something that stayed with me throughout the entire career for sure. Great. Jason, we'll get you next. Yeah, absolutely. Wes, thanks um, so much for, for giving me the opportunity to sit on this panel with the industry heavyweights. Love hearing everyone's story, how they started. I started August of 1993 as a, as a resident assistant in a private off-campus dormitory I gave up chasing my my dream to be a college baseball player, and a buddy was was running the facility and asked me if I wanted to be a resident advisor. And I said, "You're going to give me free meals and a place to live. I'm down with it. Let's do it." So, um, <laughs> never would I would I have thought that um, that that's how I would have started my student housing career. I didn't really even understand what student housing was at that time, but started out as a resident advisor and. And worked with that company um, for 11 years and, until I started with Asset Living in, in June of, of 2004 at, at one of the four properties that we had at that time and have been with, with Asset ever since they're going on, on year 17. And, you know, started out as a property manager and worked my way up to, to the EVP position that I am right now. Answer the question about what 
what job I spent the longest in, I, I, I would have to answer like Heather did. It, it was every year to two years I was in a new position. You know, I don't, other than, than maintenance director, I don't know that there is a position on site or on our, on our corporate team that I haven't had. If it was a, a leasing agent or a leasing manager or a resident director, or, you know, at one point in my career, we were doing student housing and hotels at the same time, which was a, uh, very unnerving situation, um, but but certainly a, a situation that helped imagine. that helped build my career. But um, when it comes to the job that I love the most, and I'll, I'll answer like like Adam did. I, I love being on site. I love working with with the residents and building staffs and hiring staffs and training staffs. You know, when I started with Asset, I started at the Cambridge at College Station here in College Station, Texas, and. Uh, Getting to hire and train staffs and mentor them was very rewarding. You know, I, I have somebody that was on my staff, my very first staff, that is now our, our legal counsel at, at Asset Living. And the ability to know him from when he was 18 to, to know him now was very rewarding. So I, I, I think that's, that's, that's what property management on site where I spent the majority of my time. And then it, it's also the most rewarding, too. Well, Sly, I'm I'm super excited for everybody to hear your story because you you've shared some of it, some of it with me in the past, and um, it started out a little bit differently. Of course, it started out on site, but a little different asset, and 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 you've had a a little bit of a different path. So, please share. Sure, sure. Well, uh, thanks for having me on, Wes. Uh, but I'm originally from St. Louis, born and raised there, and uh, I was looking for a way out back in the 90s. It wasn't uh, the best place to be, and so I went to college. And as I was in college, uh, I was looking for a part-time job, and they had a maintenance tech job open for on-campus apartments, and this was around 2002. Uh, and so I thought that was a pretty good gig and I did that for a while. Uh, and that led me to other jobs in student housing. And then I became a community manager in 2007. That was my first job, really first full-time job in student housing. It was, uh, quite interesting. Uh, we were building a new private product off campus and we were introducing purpose built to the market. And so, uh, as you all probably have experience, it's, it's definitely a, uh, interesting process. So I did that, uh, in around 2011, I became a regional sales manager. I was in that job for approximately three years and that wasn't, uh, the, the job that I enjoyed the most. But I think I learned the most from being a regional sales manager. I mean, it really taught me the importance of building relationships, not only with residents and leads, but uh, the people that drive the leasing process. You know, the people that are responsible for generating millions of dollars in revenue. Uh, the, the job that I really enjoyed the most uh, was I was able to go work internationally in student housing and I traveled through Europe and the Middle East and I was uh, working in markets, I was meeting with investors. I was able to really understand student housing from a completely different lens. I was also able to really kind of understand how students overseas define value. You know, if you think about how we define value in the States, it's a little bit different for those students that are, that are 
attending college overseas. Uh, but when we have some of those students come to the U.S., really understanding what they're looking for, you know, has has been really important for me. So, gotcha. <clears throat> well, well, guys, thanks so much for for sharing that part and, and giving a little bit of insight to our, our audience about your journey. You know, I wanted all of you guys are, are in executive level positions now. And uh, although you may not be hiring people directly as far as in the interview process with uh, with site level managers, you're certainly interacting with them, you know, through throughout their career on being on site. And I know a lot of those folks, you know, are certainly looking at, at taking their career beyond the site level, you know, into a regional or a corporate level. And I know you guys would prefer to hire from the site level because, you know, if they've spent a good year or two, hopefully more at the at the site level, really learning, you know, the the in and outs of of your company culture and processes and and those type of things, they're going to fit better when they move into, you know, a, a regional or, or corporate level position. What as you're seeing those candidates now, be it, you know, inside of uh, your own organization or outside of your organization, but still at the site level, what do you feel most candidates are, are missing um, in order to be qualified for for that position that you're hiring for? We'll, we'll continue to go in alphabetical order here, but I kind of want to leave this up for discussion. But Adam, if you want to start us off. Yeah, sure. You know, for me, uh, what I find people are missing is they think it's going to be easy and it's not easy, especially property manager today is very different. I'll be the first to admit it's very different than it was being a property manager 15 years ago. There's just so much more stuff that we've given uh, a, a site level manager um, uh, in every company. And we, we've all tried to find ways to be efficient, but there's just so much more things, so many more things that they have to do. And so it's not going to be easy. And so ultimately, I, I really think that the, the, the piece that's missing for some folks when they want to move up or they want a new position, on whether it be the site level or maybe moving from a property manager to a regional, is that it's just it's not going to be easy. And there, some people aren't willing to work as hard as they're going to need to work. Uh, in order to get to that next level. And, and also the other piece is that so many people that I, I see that they want to take another level, but they can, and then they're having trouble. It's because they're not willing to either move or, or relocate for a period of time. Uh, very rarely are you going to be able to take every step that you want to take in the same market or in the same state. Um, you're going to have to move and you're going to have to get out and take some chances. It doesn't have to be forever. Um, but, you know, a lot of people start this maybe right out of college. And so I just encourage everybody to, to take that opportunity to to move and to relocate and to travel. And, and it's not traveling just Monday through Friday. It's it's traveling long periods of time. And um, that that's ultimately what it's going to take, because that's what is going to show your supervisor or your company that you have what it takes to, to help the organization move forward because you're able to get out there and work hard. So being able to work hard and being able to, to relocate uh, are two things that I find that that 
that's missing, I guess you could say, from some, some folks today that want to move up? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I agree with everything Adam said. I would, I would add, you know, it's it's the amount of tenure and experience that they have. And so we've, for a period of time in our industry, you know, I, I use the term. I know others do. We fast tracked a lot of people. You know, they have a they have a year as a, a an accounts manager. Boom, yeah. property manager. They have a year as a community manager. Boom. You know, what's the next step? Um, and, and a lot of that, you know, our industry was going through a huge growth spurt. We didn't have the, the talent to keep up with it. Um, you know, things have, have you know, stabilized a, a bit. But, you know, it came to a detriment for some people. And it's not, it's not entirely their fault, right? We all have some accountability there, you know, and not to take away from their success in those roles at those periods of time. But to Adam's point, as you grow, it gets harder and harder. Um, and without that experience of more than just a year or two, um, and, you know, go to a bigger site, go from 600 beds to a thousand beds. You have a different set of challenges there. Learn different product types. You know, we're heavy in the, in the garden style in the Southeast, you know, but if you go into position and all of a sudden you've got a mid or a high rise in an urban environment, things change very quickly and a lot of different aspects of your operations and leasing and marketing. So I think that the experience to be able to handle more than one finite set of circumstances and conditions that you might have been successful in is, is really important. And, you know, to Adam's point, that usually isn't going to come without some physical move, geographic relocation, or at the very least, a dedication for some very heavy travel. Yeah, found a good hub city. That's for sure. That's right. This is such a good question. And it, it's so deep-rooted and hard to answer. Um, and I'm, I'm sure the four of us on this call have all gone through our struggles with this because, you know, you you start out as a, as a leasing agent or CA, and if you're good at that, then next thing you know, you're the leasing manager. If you're good at that, then you're the account manager. And then next thing you know, you're the property manager. And then next thing you know, you either get promoted or somebody else comes calling a different company and they promote you um, to a regional. Well, and, J- yeah. and Jason, yeah. let, let me, yeah. let me, I, I want to make this a little bit conversational. And so I've got something to kind of, because as Heather mentioned, you know, especially 10, 15 years ago in this industry, I can even take it back to 20, you know, 20, 25 years ago, this industry was moving really, really, really quick. And it wasn't just, you know, were they good at the system manager position? It was, you know, did they survive turn? You know, did they, it, it was, I mean, you would literally find someone who, you know, they graduated in, in May and there was an opening as assistant manager. And, you know, by, by August, the manager who came from the hotel industry or came from conventional housing couldn't survive turn. And so by September, she's gone. And well, you know, the the recent graduate who was able to collect rent for four months without any issues, you know, he or she was able to put, a, you know, a large percentage of the of the turn organization on their back. So let's just go ahead and and, you know, <laughs> promote them. They have no experience running the P&L, you know, and that's literally I mean, I would say from, you know, 1995 to probably 2000, 
you know, eight range. That's that's what we were seeing. And I still see a lot of it today, but especially back then. But I just wanted to, to throw that in for maybe some of our younger millennials that look back and say, well, hey, you know, these guys did it in so many years. Yeah, we did. But there were a lot of hard lessons that we had learned that we really you know, we don't want you to have to learn it the hard way. You know, so, there, anyway, there is no doubt about well, that. Not ten, Unfortunately, we it's not 10 years. No, it's, it's sorry. It's, it's not 10. I just want to say it's not 10 years. It's it's 20 years, really. I mean, it's, it's, it's really it's it's a long time. Yeah, I, I tell so, I tell every employee that I come in contact with, you know, it, it's about experience. It's about the wins and the losses and the, the frustrations and, and the victories. But it's about being patient and, and waiting for your opportunity and earning your opportunity to, for the next step. You know, don't go chasing a title or a paycheck. You know, you really do have to put in um, that tenure. You know, you you have to um, you have to fail to to grow. And you know, all the all Amen. these people that we work <laughs> with and on our and our training department and our mentorship. You know, the ability to take criticism of of what they're, they need to work on and really make it a growth area is is very important in, in our culture. Um, but it's hard to, to tell somebody when they they've, you know, gone up the ladder so quick that, hey, you need to stay here for a year or two and, and go through um, this market and the growing pains. And then you need to move four hours from here and you need to go through a bigger market like like Heather talked about. I mean, I tell people all the time, don't define your career based on a zip code. Um, you know, student housing is about opportunities and about willingness to try something that you're afraid of and then succeed and, and move up the ladder. Yeah, you know, I think about it from a couple of different lenses. You know, the first one is if you look at recruitment and retention in our industry, it's become so competitive and for roughly so my colleagues on this panel, they all operate fantastic companies. And so when I was coming up, you really just didn't have as many opportunities as you do now. Uh, so it's a completely different game. And now uh, the applicants are interviewing us as well as vice versa, you know. Uh, but one thing that we look for at Cardinal is leadership. You know, you have to have a strong background of investing in, in others. Uh, you have to be able to, to um, create influence across the organization, right? You think about, again, we, we run multi-million dollar assets. And if you think about it, 18 to 25 year olds are in charge of driving this revenue. And so if you don't have that additional gene of understanding that it's about investing in those other people and creating influence, then it's, it's really hard to kind of scale. You know, and then also I speak to so many different individuals through Cardinal that they come and they are prepared for the interview and they can talk about operations and P&Ls and they communicate extremely effectively, you know, and all of that is great. But again, what it comes down to is you have to have examples of how you have invested in others. Why is that so important? You have to be able to point. articulate, you know, how you were able to create influence for internal stakeholders and also clients as well. Yeah, yeah. I like the point because, you know, Adam mentioned, uh, you know, you were at 3,000 beds or whatever when you started with the company or at 30,000 beds now. Jason Asset is 
132,000, I think. And do you even remember what it was when you got started as far as the number of beds? It, it, it's funny. We, we had four properties and we were right at about 1,200 beds. When I, wow. when I started, wow. we had property in College Station and Austin, East Lansing, and, and then in Knoxville. And those were all, all the only four properties that we had. I, I can still remember our, our first manager's yeah. conference when we had managers and assistant managers and leasing managers there. And what we've become today, it, it's... Uh, it's certainly very rewarding for what um, what we were able, what yeah. Julie and and Mike and Ryan were able to build as leaders of our company. Yeah, so slide to your point. I mean, one the industry's grown. You know, the top twenty five. You know, you got to break ten thousand in order to be a top twenty five operator. And what that has allowed those companies to do is is become you know water at the top, so that you've got people specializing it. But look. When we got started in this, there was no director of training. There was no, like the regional manager did it all. Right. And so, you know, it was it's it's great from that standpoint because it's it's been able to take some of those. Everybody's kind of been I don't want to use the word solo, but everybody you know, can specialize. I see, you know, uh, with working with all of your companies, I see, you know, different different positions that I, you know, had never seen before. And I'm like, gosh, I wish I had that because if I could have had that <clears throat> when I was a regional manager, it would have taken so much off of my plate, right? And so, yeah, it goes back to what you said, Slot, you know, even, even because of that, it, it's making it so much more competitive for those positions because, it's not just it's not just can you do the work it's you know how can you create more leaders so so yeah fantastic point so uh, you know outside of and you, you you already started talking about this a little bit slaw uh, outside of knowledge and skill set what do you guys think the most important quality or characteristic for a person for them to to have uh, you know outside of outside of the you know the the experience let's say you've got somebody that's been there for three years what is it that you guys are really looking for in order to consider moving them up yeah you know for us it's really thinking about a couple of items number one is the individual has to be a strategic thinker you know and, and that means is things are going to happen, fires are going to come up, and you're going to have to have the ability to really be as objective as possible as you kind of pace through those different challenges. Uh, Another big part of it is being able to make sure that you're not focused on completing the task, checking the actual box. What value did you add to every single issue that came up and how were you able to train other individuals through that process of what to take away to add value to their process as as well? You know, and as you think about it, a lot of the professionals uh, that we come across, uh, they're very focused on. Uh, being able to say I could do a P&L and I could do accounting and I can do all of these different things. And it's like, well, that's outstanding. But do you have the ability uh, when when a building is on fire to not be reactionary? Do you have the ability to use your resources? Do you have the ability to to really try to be as objective and think uh, strategically through whatever comes down the pipeline, you know? Yeah, for me, for me, it's three things. It's it's work ethic, 
It's attitude and it's interpersonal skills. Like and when I say interpersonal skills, meaning can you get along with the people on your team and can you lead others? Uh, can you can you manage others? That's the the probably the the going back to your earlier question. One thing I wanted to add is people don't know how to manage other people uh, very well, and that's one of the harder things that we find when you when you want to promote somebody, meaning you're going to have more people to oversee. You know, managing personnel in student housing is probably one of the harder jobs that we all do. And so uh, having those interpersonal skills that you can get along with other different personalities, you understand different ways of, of learning and different ways of managing, that that's key. But to add those to add that to work ethic and attitude, that's perfect. You can never have been in student housing before. I'll teach you that. I really, literally, I'll teach you. I'll teach you accounting. I'll teach you P and I'll teach you how to do turn. Obviously, if you have those things, that's great. But those other those three things, if you don't have them, you're not going to be successful. At least not in our organization, uh, in student housing in general, either. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, work ethic is huge. Not to rehash everything. 100% agree with with what Sly and Adam both said. I would I would add because there's so there's definitely not one thing right. There's there's like this you know, this grouping, this handful of characteristics, but I would add coachability into that. You know, we somebody mentioned that word earlier, but, you know, to want to be able to take it literally in the sense of receive constructive criticism and do something with it. Um, and I take it a step further to say, you know, that you, you don't take it for what it is and then move on. Like, you have to absorb it. You have to apply it and reapply it. You know, you know, I, I would add, we, we can teach people the, the, the basics of the, this industry. We all know it's really not that complicated. It really comes down to more of those, you know, interpersonal qualities that, that everybody just said, but you have to be able to retain it and apply it. You know, we're not, we, we can't have 18 lessons on how to do the PL, right? Like <laughs> you've got to be able to grasp it and, and retain it. But uh, and with that comes the initiative, the initiative to want to do so, the initiative to be a problem solver. When you're bringing something to your supervisor that you do have an issue, a problem, a challenge, don't look at it with your hands up and say, tell me what to do. You know, at least come with ideas, suggestions. You've taken proactive measures of, you know, I I think this is the best way to approach it, Um, especially in the beginning when you're not sure and you're just you're looking for that reassurance. But um, you know, having having that confidence, you're in the position, you know, you got to the position because you saw it in yourself, somebody else saw it in you. So have that confidence and take the initiative to do your job that you've been hired to do. And don't be scared to do it. Everybody has has given such solid answers. And I, and I agree 100 percent with what everyone said. You know, when you look at attitude, I can't teach you to have a good attitude when you walk through the front door in the morning. It, it's something that's totally, completely up to up to the employee and it's a decision that they make when they get out of bed every morning you know i i can't teach work ethic you know the ability to know that student housing is not a nine to five job and it's a it's an all hours job you know work ethic something that you can't teach you know the the ability like heather was talking about to learn from your mistakes to really listen to constructive criticism, you use it as, as fuel to grow, you know, to add a couple of things. How do I, how do I think like an, like I own the real estate and, and act that way, you know, to go pick up a piece of trash 
to, uh, you know, that that's on the tour path to, uh, you know, when I'm walking in an amenity area and it doesn't smell good to immediately fix that, you know, to, to think like I have millions upon millions of dollars in the asset and, and think that way. That's, that's hard to, to learn, but it, it, it's certainly a mindset. And, you know, the last thing I would add is, you know, the ability to not be average and, and to, to be exceptional. And I think that's hard. That's hard to teach. You know, somebody either wants to do the job or they just want to get by. You know, we at Asset Living, we want to hire people that want to be exceptional so we can maximize the profit for, for our ownership groups. And that's a hard quality to find, but certainly something that, uh, that we've been successful with during our tenure. You know, Wes, one, one thing I want to add, I, I was at a conference and I was listening to a speaker and, you know, he was talking about coming up in the world when he was in his 20s and his boss, you know, told him, he said, you know, I don't expect you to work 65 hours a week, but I don't expect you to work 40 hours a week either. You know, I mean, you're going to have to work more than 40. To Jason's point, it's not a nine to five job. And 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 that's OK. And that's the way you're going to be able to 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 get you know, move up in the world and get what you want because you're going to show that much more work ethic and much more desire to, to achieve your goals than, than the next guy. And, and then the other thing is, is it doesn't matter what position you're in. Uh, you know, Sly, your story is awesome about coming from the maintenance and facility side. And I want to emphasize that to anybody watching this, this uh, podcast or this, this webinar that you can, you can achieve your goals from any sort of uh, sector of our business, but you have to have the thing, in my opinion, you have to have the things we just talked about. And, and as leaders, Heather, Jason, Sly, when you walk into a property and you talk to the, the folks on site, you know it right off the bat with some of these folks, you know, whether they got it or not, just, just in a, in a working with them for a few days, a few months, you know, and, and, and you know which ones don't. And so I, I highly recommend those, the folks that were wanting to try to move up to, to really focus on those, those things and, and, and interacting with folks when they come to your site, interacting with folks when they tour your site from other companies, not to get another job with another company, but, but that's how you can show your worth and your, uh, your, your value to the, to the, you know, property itself. How many times have we shopped a property just to go look at the market? And you're like, you come out of that and that manager, you were like, wow, like that person is awesome. Like, you know, they're really lucky to have that, that person. And you just know it, you just know it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think Jason, one of the most, uh, one thing that you said there, the, the really um, struck a chord with me because um, I, I had a, um, one of my first discussions um, as a leasing agent with with an owner of, of the property when we were talking about they were considering me for a promotion and you know I just you know the owner you know luckily gave gave me some of his time just to you know see what kind of questions I had and because he didn't really have any questions for me but you know I, I I asked him, you know, what is it that, that you're looking for in me? Right. And especially when it came to just the decision-making process and he said, 
you're not going to make the same decisions that I always will. He's like, this is the thing I'm at, that I ask you to do. I want you to consider this property as if you were part owner. And if, if you look at, you know, through a lens uh, of, the, of the ownership, are you always going to make the right decision? No, but, but nine times out of 10, you're probably going to fall on the right, on the right decision. So I've always kept that with me. So that was, I, I'm glad you, you mentioned having that, <clears throat> trying to look through things with, with that lens. I, I want to be quick on this next question because I know we've got um, some folks who have a hard stop here, um, but I think this one's really important. If there's one or two things that you would say to a site level manager or someone at the site level looking to, to move up that they need to complete, and and specifically, you know, I'm, I'm using the word complete. I don't want to say work on because that could go on forever. You know, maybe it's some type of designation. Maybe it's Sigma Six, Six Sigma, whatever it's called. Uh, you know, maybe maybe it's those type of, of designations. Is there anything that one to two things that you would say, hey, complete this before even applying for a position? And maybe that's just a you know a full cycle on a property. Adam, we'll start with you. Yeah, I don't want to put it in a, in a specific box because I think a lot of people can move up in different pathways without completing certain things. I think the one main thing for me is you have to have experienced multiple markets. You cannot have been successful. I think one of y'all said it already. You cannot be successful in one box and think that that is going to be your pathway to the next step. You have to show it across multiple markets. And so uh, getting out and, and experiencing, it doesn't have to be 12, it can be two, it can be three, uh, but it can't just be one. So uh, my quick answer, multiple markets, you have to do it. You don't have to relocate, but you have to be able to show you're successful in multiple markets. Jason, we'll go to you. I was just going to say, Jason, let's go to you really quick because I know you're up against sure. a hard stop here. Yeah, I, my, it, my, I have two things and, and two things that, that I tell every people, every person that wants to advance, train your replacement, either hire a recruit mentor that's somebody that can take your place immediately when you get promoted and you have to invest in that. And then the second thing is whatever scares you the most, do it today and, and make turn your your fear into a positive. And, and those two things is, is what I tell people when, when they want to go to the next level. Heather. Uh, love both of those. I would add, um, I am a huge fan of education and, and it doesn't have to be one. It's, it's not a particular one. NAA, IRM doesn't matter. It shows your personal dedication to be successful experience is amazing and nothing replaces it, but education and bettering yourself and learning outside outside of, of the four walls of your office or your property uh, is the initiative that you're serious and you want to go far and you're willing to put in the additional work outside of hours to get there. Awesome. So I would say, you know, um, it could get confusing to understand where to even start. So before you even start, you need a plan. So have a written plan that summarizes uh, why you want to move up, why do you think you deserve it, and what sets you apart from everybody else. Number two, uh, within that plan, what resources do you think you're, you're going to need to achieve that goal? Uh, what skills do you think you need to master in Ultimately, what is a realistic timeline for you to get there? Gotcha. All right. Last question. Most important lesson you learned that prepared you for the role you are in today. Jason, we'll start with you. 
Wow, that that's a good one. I, 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 I there's not one instance. It, it's the experience of of falling flat on your face and and making a bad decision and learning from it, and the ability to to make sure that doesn't happen again. You know, student housing careers. There's so many peaks and valleys, and and when you're down in the dumps and have made a bad decision for your property, the ability to make sure that doesn't happen again and learn from it and go from there. Heather? Similar to what Jason just said in you, it's better to act than to be indecisive. Make the decision. Trust your gut. You'll make the right decision most of the time. And even when you don't, it's better than being indecisive and letting that problem fester and only get worse. So make the judgment call. Do it. Sly, most important lesson. Oh, that obstacles are not to be feared, but accept it as a opportunity to really learn. Uh, when obstacles occur, you really have to lean into those, no matter how uncomfortable you may feel. Learning from those is something that's going to mentally prep you for what's what's to come next. And obstacles equals growth and knowledge. And if you can get to growth and knowledge, then that gives you uh, the ability to add immense value. All right, Adam, you're up. Most important lesson. Uh, in a quick one, um, don't be afraid to get rid of toxicity on your team. Amen. Get rid of Amen. people, uh, even if they're in a position where you don't think that you can fill it quickly. It's better to have nobody in that role than somebody that's bringing the rest of the team down. So if you're in a management position and you have the opportunity to get rid of somebody that's being toxic to your team, do it immediately. Yeah, that's that is great. great well, guys, thanks so much for, for your time today. I know our audience is better for it and and really appreciate everything that, that you guys are doing to the industry, especially this past year. I know all of you guys have have, uh, ha- have spent some long nights, sleepless nights of, of navigating your teams through this pandemic and just uh, appreciate it so much, everything that you guys are, are doing for, for your teams and for the industry as a whole. And uh, look forward to having you guys back again. Thanks, Wes. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Wes. All right. Well, again, big thanks to those guys for their time. Um, Like I said earlier, there's so many little nuggets within that. I hope uh, hope you were taking notes. If not, go back and listen to it again. Um, but, but I think what they said, I I really hope this audience uh, found that useful. So as I mentioned earlier, we're going to be doing another remote podcast at Interface in a couple of weeks. Interface Student Housing is happening July 13th through the 15th in Austin, Texas at the JW Marriott. If you're interested in going, you can find more information at studenthousingbusiness.com and our friends over at France Media. This event is only, it's only one, maybe two or three events um, each year that, that really puts all of the key players in student housing under the same roof for a few days. Um, you know, later this summer, we've got NAA with Apartmental Laws that's got, they've got a portion of that segmented to, um, to talking about student housing um, if you're in Chicago, I'll be there for that. Would love to uh, would love to meet up with anybody that is going to be there for that. Um, and then also in October, which I won't be able to be at this year because um, my family's going on vacation <laughs> at the same time. Anybody else try to plan a vacation this summer and was there was like no luck <laughs> in trying to find a place? Um, 
so we're taking a late one uh, the first week of October, and so that's going to cut into into the conference, the student housing conference that NMHC does, the National Multi Housing Council, um, and our friends over there. Um, they do that every fall, and it's in I believe it's back in California this year. I think in Huntington Beach again, and uh, yeah, man, wish wish I could. Uh, Wish I could be there for that, but got to take some some much needed um, a much needed break with the family. So so we'll be be able to be there for that. But those are really kind of the three only big events that are, are happening throughout the year, where you've got all the key players in student housing under the same roof for for a few days. So I like to take advantage of those opportunities. And if you've ever seen me at, at one of those conferences, I'm typically walking around with with a recorder in my hand, wanting to, uh, wanting to talk to folks, get their, get their ideas on things, their insight on things. And, uh, and this is no different. <laughs> so, so we've put something together, uh, that I think will be really special. Uh, we're recording an episode that I've dubbed from the top and it's featuring three CEOs whose companies are, are just doing great things in this industry. We're talking to Adam Barley's Founder at the Price Company, Donna Price, and Alex O'Brien from Cardinal Group, as well as Lauren King from Trinitas. Um, so, looking forward to to that to that panel. Each of those companies, you know, are both owners and operators, and and I think their insight on our industry is so key to to where we are headed over the next you know three to five years. So. Be on the lookout for that episode, and if you're going to be at Interface and would like to, to be in our live audience for that recording, shoot me an email at contact at studenthousinginsight.com. Again, that's contact at studenthousinginsight.com, and I'll shoot you an invite to attend that. Uh, it is invite only, and you have to RSVP. We've got limited seating, so shoot me that email as soon as you can, and we'll get you registered. Well, folks, that does it for this episode. As always, make sure you are following us on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. And also, sign up as a community member at our website at studenthousinginsight.com. Just go to the upper right-hand corner. There's a login button. Uh, Click on that if you've never signed up. Go through the sign-up process. But once you are a member, you get access to a ton of information that we provide. Um, You can also post and search for jobs as well. It's all completely free, so make sure that you you take advantage of that. All right, everyone, take care, and we'll see you next time.